All right. And we're live. Um, not really live, but we're back. Um, so uh, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, a little bit different um, uh, situation here. We're going to be recording um, some content, chopping it up, and then uh, we're going to put it into some shorts. Um, the full video will be up uh, if you're watching this part of the video. You're probably watching on YouTube, but um, I'm here with Mike, um, aka uh, my my better counterpart I'm from the days wow. of the Monday Night Hammer that was on wow. Thursday. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at gridiron AI's projections with the help of some, some of our friends from, for fantasy sake, QC, um, podcast network behind the scenes, Doug's got us covered. Um, he's going to be putting up the slides, moving through them for us. Uh, make sure you check out Durham remodeling and, uh, the draft house, um, some of their sponsors. Um, so yeah, excited to, to dive in and, uh, hear Sicoli's thoughts here on, uh, the 2023 season. I will um, go through as uh, the slides get pulled up here. Um, I'll go through the methodology here as quickly as possible because I was explaining to Mike and Doug before anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So if anyone is familiar with value over replacement, it's a way to compare a player's projection to the replacement player at the position. So a good example would be comparing Josh Allen to say Kirk Cousins. And the difference in projection between those two is that player's value over the replacement player at that position. Um, I compared our value over replacement from Gridiron to Fantasy Pro's value over replacement. So um, similar projections um, and looking at the replacement player in terms of the value between that and the, um, the player that is, let's say, the last starter at the position. Um, so for QB in a one QB league, that would be QB um, whatever we're looking at versus QB 12. Okay. Um, and then I looked at the difference between those two. A target is one where gridiron's value uh, over replacement is higher than fantasy pros. A fade is one where it is lower. Um, you'll also see this in the table um, uh, that is presented in, uh, in the graphic. And you'll see kind of our positional rank versus fantasy pros positional rank. Mike and I will talk about it. Um, I'm sure he's not going to agree with all of these. There's some pretty wild ones here. Um, just to give you a, a heads up, Gridiron AI is running a bit of a promo right now. Um, so if you go to our site, you'll see this banner at the bottom of the screen. If you use promo preseason 2023 at checkout, you will get uh, a free month all the way from <laughs> all the way from now until the start of the season. So um, check it out. That gives you access to all of our projections for your drafts. Um, you'll be able to get into the Discord where I'll be dropping in some spreadsheets that you can use for your drafts. Um, some cool like one-click things where as soon as someone's drafted, it'll throw them out of the spreadsheet, and then you can look and see who the best players available are at each position. I will also be writing an article on how to use our projections because we got a lot of feedback about how that would be helpful. Um, and I, I agree, it is kind of difficult sometimes to look at all the numbers on our page and, and understand how to best uh, utilize them to dominate your friends in fantasy football. So again, check out that promo, check out our projections, and um, let's go ahead and get started. All right, so looking at our 2023 targets, we're going to look at three quarterbacks, three running backs, three wide receivers, and two tight ends, and then we'll check out some fades. So let's go ahead and look at our first quarterback. All right, so when I was running the numbers on this, Mike, um, I was really um, happy to see Lamar Jackson here. Um, as you can see, um, he goes in right around round three. Quarterback's kind of a weird position in, in your home leagues. It depends on um, if it's one quarterback or two quarterbacks. So we're assuming a one quarterback league here. Round three is a pretty rich price and for me for a quarterback. Um, we have him as, um, as gridiron position rank eight. 
um, and Fantasy Pros uh, has the, has him as QB4. But again, our value over replacement is much higher than Fantasy Pros' value over replacement. They might may not have you take him as early as we would. So there's a little bit of nuance there that might be hard to understand. I'll toss it to you, Sakuli. How are you feeling about Lamar Jackson this year? See, I'm excited, and I think part of that is because we got a new offensive coordinator coming in. We got Todd Monken coming from the Georgia system, and we're seeing already in preseason a remarkable increase in 11 personnel, those three wide receiver sets. And they went out and got Odell. They obviously have Bateman hopefully come back healthy from injury. And you add in, uh, help me, here's a Flowers, first round. So there's a lot of help that he's never that Lamar has never had before. And personally, I do think the passing volume is going to increase. I believe in him as a passer. I didn't even mention Mark Andrews or what the return of a run game. I don't expect, you know, a top three season, but I think top five is very much in the cards. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Todd Munkin. Um, for those of you who aren't as plugged in as Sicoli and I, um, Todd Munkin was the offensive coordinator for Georgia. Um, they have Brock Bowers. I'm for, the name um, escapes me of their other. Oh, Darnell Washington. So they got Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews there. Also, some really exciting um, wide receivers. Um, uh, Zay Flowers, you mentioned. Rashad Bateman, I think, will come back strong from his foot injury. And they also signed Odell Beckham in the offseason. Munkin um, has been um, known to really utilize his players' strengths. Um, he has been in the NFL before. Um, and he's going to run a fast-paced offense, uh, kind of a run and gun. And I, I really do think Lamar Jackson can thrive in that type of offense. People, um, people forget that um, in M his MVP season, Lamar Jackson had a 9% touchdown rate, which is truly, truly elite. Really, anything above 7% is is kind of a, an outlier. I think that um, if we're going to see some um, Lamar uh, get back to that form, um, it will be this year. So really excited about him. Um, if you look across the industry here, um, if you're playing on CBS, you're going to have to get greedy to, to go ahead and get Lamar Jackson. Um, but if you're on Yahoo, um, he seems to fall a little bit in terms of um, ADP, which this ADP could change as we approach your drafts. Um, so just keep that in mind if you're watching this, trying to study up for your drafts coming up. Let's go ahead and move on to the next guy who I'm really excited about this year. And I think a lot of people are excited about Trevor Lawrence. So I'll let you start off uh, with the golden boy here, Sunshine, uh, uh, out of Clemson. Kind of had a mini breakout last year. And um, do you think he's going to take another step this year? The first futures bet I placed this season back in June was throwing a little $5 free bet on Trevor Lawrence to become this year's MVP. And here's why. Calvin Ridley is a massive increase uh, improvement out wide than what they had last year. Zay Jones is okay. He is not a one. He was not a two. He's not. He's really exactly meant for the role he's going to play this year as a three. Marvin Jones, going from a 30-year-old Marvin Jones to a I'm going to call it fresh Calvin Ridley as opposed to a little bit rusty because he's looked great this summer. So I have no reason to expect anything other than a big leap. And we have the recipe for MVPs in past years. You know, we have Josh, Josh Allen, not MVP, but that type of step gets digs. Uh, obviously, uh, last year, Jalen Hurts, not MVP, but comes close to it by getting A.J. Brown added to that offense. This is the second year in the system with Doug Peterson. It's effectively his second NFL season because I barely count Urban Meyer. I, I love what Trevor Lawrence is going to do this year. I think it's going to be a great season. Yeah, I really think the addition of Calvin Ridley will be um, really helpful. And they kind of came on strong there at the end. Um, if you remember uh, that exciting game um, against the Chargers. Yeah. And um, 
I think that uh, they're going to play fast pace, which we want our, our fantasy football quarterbacks to be in offenses that are fast paced. Doug Peterson likes to run a fast paced offense. Um, they do have a tougher schedule this year, I think, than they had last year. Um, so keep that in mind. But um, I do think that you're going to see Trevor Lawrence. Um, I'm just going to keep it with the touchdown rate. Um, he had a 4.3% touchdown percentage last year. I think with the addition of Calvin Ridley, we could see that go, get up to that more elite 7% range. Um, it's hard to project something like 9%, like I was mentioning with um, Lamar Jackson. Uh, but he he right now is kind of like league average or slightly below in that category. And uh, with some added weapons, um, Tank Bigsby, who, I mean, is just an absolute tank. Um, you may see some dump offs to him. He's pretty good in the past game. Um, you could see a really, really strong season from uh, Trevor Lawrence this year. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the last one, who you said you were excited about this guy from the Big Apple. We got Daniel Jones. Um, we are very, very, very high on Daniel Jones this year at Gridiron AI. Um, I'm excited about that because he is the type of player that's ascending. He had a full season under Brian Dayball last year, so another um, a full season in that system. Uh, we've seen uh, Brian Dayball take Josh Allen from someone who – um, had some struggles with QB accuracy and turned him into an elite player. Um, I think you could see something similar happen here with Daniel Jones. Um, the uh, overall market, uh, Fantasy Pros uh, position rank is QB 14. We have him at QB 4. What do you think about that, Sigoli? I think it's a smidge high, but there's so much room to grow. And I think that's why people like you and the analytics are so high on Daniel Jones is because exactly what I said before about Trevor Lawrence. If you get an massive increase in your receiving game and that's what Darren Waller brings after last year's group and even the additions of all the smaller names it helps the quarterback and at the end of the day he was over a 700 yard rusher in his first season with Dable I think we could easily lock in 500 at least and his passing touchdowns were so low that I again consider that his floor of what it was 16 I believe last year and if it was around 16 if that jumps to 20 that's a massive incre- uh, massive improvement on the price that you're paying in drafts. So I love him as my QB2 in, in Superflex. I don't quite see the top ceiling that you might be projecting, but that's where I'm, I'm factoring the cost, and that's why I love him as my QB2, which is what I just did in uh, our IDP Guys Invitational. Yeah, so I'm looking at some stats here. Daniel Jones had 24 passing touchdowns his rookie year, only 15 last year, but only five interceptions. That was kind of his free uh, one. I give him a yeah. free study. Yeah, so a big bugaboo with him was turning the ball over, namely fumbles, um, and also he had 12 interceptions his rookie year. That number has come down from 12 to 10 to 7 to 5. So if he can hold that interception rate steady, it, it kind of seems like maybe um, uh, Dayball had him kind of protect the ball a little bit, uh, make some better decisions, which um, could have in that first year in that system, uh, uh, could have limited his touchdown upside. Um, another reason why he he might have been a little bit lower in touchdowns was the fact that they um, signed Kenny Galladay for a lot of money, and he just decided that he wasn't going to try anymore. Um, truly remarkable how how terrible his season was. Um, they add Darren Waller, who we know can score. Um, I think that having a big target in the red zone um, could help him hold those interception numbers low, and also um, have some have a big body to target there in the in um, in the red area. Yeah. Um, Kind of an interesting situation at um, at wide receiver. Of course, they traded away Kadarius Toney, um, who was a first-round pick for them. Um, they got Wandell Robinson, Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard still hanging around. Um, I'm, I'm, no, I'm forgetting some other people. Who else they got? Paris Slayton, Paris – uh, you said Paris Campbell, but they brought in Cole Beasley, Jamison Crowder. They, 
they took the real shotgun approach. And obviously Isaiah Hodgins after his breakout last year, they did a real shotgun approach with how they they approached this room. A lot of people thought they might go overpay for Jacoby Myers or a Juju Smith-Schuster, one of those free agents. Instead, they took cheaper deals akin to how Buffalo's kind of run in past years and just really took the shotgun approach with a million slot receivers, it seemed like. Paris Campbell is a slot receiver. Sterling Shepard returns as a slot receiver. Uh, Jameson Crowder, Cole Beasley, again, all those names are more inside. So, And obviously Jalen Hyde as well, being a, a rookie that a lot he's getting a decent amount of talk right now in camp but it's a very different room with a lot more options at least yeah super excited about the giants this year um as you can see uh daniel jones is someone that you can target late um to be honest with you i'm it, it seems like especially on underdog i've been kind of following their avp throughout the the summer um and i think that the trend will follow somewhat in your home leagues is that players are going to um, these exciting rushing dual threat quarterbacks. They're going to be going a little earlier where we've come full circle almost with uh, the late round quarterback uh, wasn't really a great strategy last year. I think this year um, targeting a guy like Daniel Jones, after you go ahead and fill out your wide receivers, after you fill out your running backs, uh, maybe even grab a tight end. Um, you can, you can go ahead and wait on a guy like uh, Daniel Jones and, and be fine. I think, I think he's in for a big year. So um, that about does it for our QB targets. Um, let's let's go ahead and, and move on to the running backs. And this first guy is exciting. Um, I know I'm 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 here in Philadelphia. I'm not a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Um, I actually have the wrong uh, chart here. It uh, says Devonta Smith, but this is actually DeAndre Swift. Um, and I, I I'm really uh, interested in your opinion on this Eagles backfield. We'll ignore that for now. But what do you think about uh, this Eagles backflip? backfield and specifically DeAndre Swift, who is the first Eagles running back off the board, but there's not a whole lot of certainty around this situation. It's funny because I was talking about this on, on a couple shows the other day. I was doing mock draft, mock draft, and I did two within a 12-hour span. And for the first time in at least a year, I took DeAndre Swift in the first one. And then I took DeAndre Swift in the second one. Because for some reason, nobody seems to be willing to take a shot on a murky backfield led by one of the best you know, one of the best offenses in the NFL. That type of upside is being thrown around in the seventh round. And that just doesn't really make sense to me when we know that Swift has had more than his fair share of flashes, as had Penny, but we know that Penny's probably not going to be staying healthy the entire year. So I'm not too worried about uh, Swift. I, I like him, whereas ADP is. If it starts rising, I'll be a little bit more scared. But right now, it's a perfect RB3 type of target for me or a great look if I'm punting RB until that mid, you know, those mid to late rounds. Yeah, it's, it's hard to find an, um, an explosive player like DeAndre Swift at the running back position where he's going. Um, currently, he is going around uh, pick, uh, I believe, 81 um, on underdog. Um, the top chart isn't correct for him. It's just the bottom chart that's wrong. Um, but Jimmy Kempsey went on the Establish the Run podcast and was talking a little bit about this situation and said that it is very, very clear that DeAndre Swift is by far the most talented back in this backfield. So I think that's a, a vote of confidence. Jimmy Kemsky is probably the most reliable beat reporter they have from Philadelphia. Um, he's not being paid all that much um, because he was traded for next to nothing uh, because Howie Roseman just is walking the entire league like a dog. Um, yeah. But we, we've seen DeAndre Swift. His, his talent is not in question. It's his health, um, but he seems to be able to stay healthy more so than Rashad Penny. He's not going to have, he's not going to be a 20 plus touch um, player, but he could 
push for 12 to 13 high value touches. Um, those are re receptions, um, um, shots at the goal line. And this is someone that could take any ball that he touches to the house. So really like DeAndre Swift. Uh, I think it's great. He's going to be behind uh, what is the consensus best offensive line in the entire league. Um, I think like you're seeing Kenny Gainwell uh, be treated as the quote unquote starter. This is preseason noise. Do not listen to it. Um, the reason why DeAndre Swift played in the preseason, which again, this is like Josh Jacobs last year, he was playing well into the third quarter of the hall of fame game and everyone lost their mind. Guess what? Josh Jacobs ended up being the league winner you needed. Um, DeAndre Swift could be that this year. He just needs reps in this new offense. That's why he's playing more in the preseason. That's a good thing. And let, um, me, let me tell you another good thing about the preseason too. DeAndre Swift, right? He's not playing tonight. They saw what they needed to see. You know who is? Rashad Penny's playing after getting nine carries in the first game. Again, I don't. I, I know we just said don't overreact to the play uh, to the preseason, and I'm not gonna. But this is interesting context to what we're looking at when somebody plays in the first week and then rests for the second week amid what we conceive to be a crowded backfield, one that they're going to compete. We need to see Swift. They might be content. Kenny Gamble just went out there and got just gave up a safety. Like it's it's some interesting things going on in Philadelphia, and I think if you're looking at how they're using these guys, Swift is very clearly the number one. Yeah, we definitely want to target uncertainty, and this is an uncertain uh, position where if we get it right, um, we can we can have a Josh Jacobs type of uh, asymmetrical bet if if that's how you want to put it. Um, and also another thing that I want to uh, point out, um, I know the uh, JJ Zacharyson late round QB. Um, he has um, done studies on how good the market, the ADP market is at getting these, uh, I guess, pecking orders correct. And we're pretty good at it. So the fact that he's the first um, Eagles running back off the board, despite the uncertainty around it, I'm going to trust the ADP. I'm going to be the guy who's not waiting on uh, Rashad Penny or Kenny Gainwell. If I'm getting a piece of this Eagles backfield, it's going to be DeAndre Swift. So let's go ahead and move on to this next guy. Um, this guy goes a little bit earlier, um, right around round three. A lot of people are kind of forgetting about how good Travis Etienne was at, as a pure rusher last year. Um, this is uh, kind of like your Nick Chubb situation. Um, Josh Jacobs at times kind of fell into this category, even Derrick Henry. Um, if someone isn't really catching passes or an efficient pass catcher, the fantasy community, especially in PPR leagues, will completely write them off. What they're not um, understanding is that Travis Etienne is the type of back that coaches love. He's going to hit the hole um, that's blocked for him. He's going to make good reads. He's a one cut player, then get up the field. Um, he is a good football player and um, he is definitely the lead back. I, I know that everybody likes the shiny new toy um, in tank Bigsby. He's flashed some um, um, pass catching chops, but at the end of the day, when, when, um, when the chips are down and the, the Jags need a, a player in there during a high value situation in the red zone, um, Travis Etienne is going to be in there. And I, I think that he's going to do really, really well this year. And uh, the machine learning uh, projections model we use um, agrees and is way higher than him than, than the market on him. So how do you feel about Travis Etienne? This can be a pretty polarizing player. See, I mean, I, I walked on this show, you know, I started up, put on my shoes, Start, you know, stood up and was all ready to fight you on this, uh, on this show. And honestly, I can't. No, Travis Etienne is the perfect example of the guy that everyone's overthinking about. Two months ago, top five dynasty running back, top ten redraft guy, easy. And now he's slipping, you know, well into the third round, possibly the fourth in some formats. I have a friend who took Jameer Gibbs over him today in a redraft, and that's obscene to me. 
as good as Jameer Gibbs might be. It's it's people overreacting to the rookie pick of Tank Bigsby. Guess what? Every team needs a backup. The Seahawks would still use Kenneth Walker, even though they drafted Zach Charbonnet, and it's a similar situation here, uh, except you don't have the injury bug to even factor in. So ETN, I think, to me, is the running back on an offense, again, that I think is going to take a major step forward, and I want that guy. So, yeah, Travis ETN, very, very much in on him at the value that is being created each day. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking it up quick. Do you know what round Tank Bigby was taken in? Oof. Uh, I don't. I'm going to guess he's a 12th round guy, 11th round guy right now. Um, I'm, I'm In the real draft, he was taken as a, a round three guy. So um, Tank Bigsby is someone that you can oh, get late. Yeah. yeah. In the no, real NFL draft, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he went late round three. Just to give you guys um, a little bit of like an idea, of course, like we have an Antonio Gibson. I, I kind of think he's he's in that range. And Antonio Gibson went around um, late round three as well. These are players that the hit rate on them as being like an absolute superstar, which um, someone that would overshadow Travis Etienne, who was taken in early round two. Um, like th- th- this is not the type of player that we should be scared of. Um, so I'm going to buy the dip on Travis Etienne. I'm going to trust the projections here, which really don't fall into these kind of preseason bias, like hype narratives that Tank Bigsby's getting. I also think a lot of what's contributing to the Tank Bigsby hype is how cool of a name he has. So uh, we're not weighing that into our projection model and neither we should, should we. We should. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we should, I, I will say. Yeah, I mean, you can have fun with it, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and buy the dip on Travis Etienne. Let's move on to the final guy, which is a familiar face from New Orleans. We got our good friend, Alvin Kamara, um, who um, suspended three games, so he's going to get a little bit of a discount. Um, I think a lot of people were thinking four to six games suspension, so three is um, very... Um, I guess like kind of an optimistic situation for him. Um, I have him going right around round six in terms of ADP. That seems about right. Um, we have him as RB five, just because our projection model um, is going to dock him for the few games that he's going to miss. But um, we're very, very high on Alvin Kamara because um, if you get, take a look at my Twitter at run the Sims, um, I did a fun little study looking back at um, some of the most surprising scores from last year. And one of the big takeaways from that study and that chart that I showed um, was that Alvin Kamara still had a 40-point game last year. He has flashed this ceiling that not many other players, period, not running backs, players, period, um, have flashed. This is someone that when they get in the red zone, he'll find the crease, he'll get there. Um, He can rack up 10, 11 catches a game. I think Derek Carr is the type of quarterback that will distribute in that way if, if that's what the defense is giving them. Um, I know that a lot of people want to say that he's washed up as he's in his year 28 season. Um, some of his efficiency metrics might have come down, but I think all of that is going to be baked into his ADP along with the three game suspension. So in your home league, if he's dropping three, four, five picks and you need a running back, I think you could do a lot worse than Alvin Kamara. So how do you feel about him this year? He's a complicated pick in fantasy and for so many reasons, suspension being just one of the factors. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's hard to factor in because this is the first time for Kamara since, you know, his first, second year in the league where he has a real running mate or even two running mates with him. You know, they paid for Jamal Williams to come in and at you'd imagine take goal line snaps, possibly some pass blocking downs for all of Kamara's greatness in the receiving game. He's a pretty shoddy pass blocker and Jamal Williams is much better at that. And then you have Kendrew Miller, somebody that I love quite a lot who keeps on dodging injuries somehow of, 
getting hurt, looking like he missed some time. Now he's back. Then he sprains his knee, and now he's back again. I'm for it. You know, I'm excited for him. But these talents were not on the roster when we were talking about Tony Jones during the waiver wires of past years. So it's a very different situation. It's a different quarterback. It's a different head coach um, as opposed to, you know, years prior when he was at his best. So I, I'm, I'm worried. I, I'm fine at this cost. I like him at this cost. But he feels like a guy that's going to be rising and rising uh, as ADP reflects the three-game suspension as opposed to six that many expected. Um, so I, I, I'm happy at this cost, but once we, if we can start creeping into the top 12, the top 15, I'm going to be a little bit more skeptical. Yeah, definitely not for the faint of heart. Um, I just want to point out if you're playing on ESPN, he's going really early. I'm, I'm not comfortable with that ADP. So, um, and these are going to be like the rankings you'll see in the actual platform. So he's going to go a little bit earlier in in ESPN. It wouldn't surprise me that like on draft day, he falls like a full round behind that ADP on ESPN. Um, I would just be aware of that. Um, That's why I put the uh, ADP across the industry here. So um, I'm not sure if I will be targeting Alvin Kamara specifically, but I did want to note that um, he is very, very high up in our gridiron rankings. So let's go ahead and move on to my favorite position uh, wide receiver. We got three very interesting targets here. Um, the first one being, and I don't know if there's a little bit of Eagles bias or what, but that la- the season they had last year was so explosive despite them being um, in not many close games and really taking their foot off the gas. They have a much harder um, schedule this year. I think their defense is going to take a step back just because they lost a few key pieces. Um, although they did add a few um, really young guys uh, in uh, um, Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, who I think both of them will be monsters this year. Um, uh, however, their offense largely went unchanged. Uh, Travis, uh, sorry, Jason Kelsey came back as their center. I think um, I think they're in for another big season, and they may need to uh, keep their foot on the gas throughout the entire game, which means a lot of fantasy points. And Devonta Smith um, going in right around round three on um, underdog drafts. He goes super early uh, because wide receivers go very early in that um, format. Um, he goes, um, I think, early round two. Um, so if you see him there late round two, early round three, I think he's a fantastic pick just because he's a compiler. Um, he's going to get open. Um, we have him projected for a lot of points and, um, he's our wide receiver seven. He's the fantasy pros, um, uh, wide receiver 12. Um, how are you feeling about Devonta Smith this year? And is he a, a primary target for you? Yeah, I, I, I love me some Devonta Smith. There's a lot of receivers I like in this range. So Sometimes I'm picking hairs, but yeah, he's a great player attached to a great offense with a great quarterback. And we kind of, we touched on touch on percentage already with the quarterbacks, but with Jalen Hurts, he was only around four and a half percent, five percent. And those touchdowns can go to Devonta Smith. He is a great separator. He's a surprisingly good contested catch guy as well uh, for someone of his size. He had seven touchdowns last year. That could hit nine. It's possible. And, you know, I'm not worried about him taking a step back because he's a really good player who has, despite his size, again, proven he can stay on the field. And that type of value in an Eagles offense is just not something you're going to be able to find elsewhere. And sometimes you get a discount on him just because he's technically the wide receiver, too. Don't don't be afraid to, to take the wide receiver, too, on a very good team. Yeah, depending on your um, home league, um, for me, like I, I draft with a lot of people from Philly, so I'm never going to get a discount on Devonta Smith. Um, what they don't know is that I'm higher on him than they are. Um, so, um, like I said, round two, um, sorry, 
Um, early round three is where I would be targeting Devonta Smith. Um, whereas I think kind of the, the industry consensus will have him kind of going late round three. So sometimes just having a player in the front of the round instead of the back of the round is enough to kind of give you an edge to go get that player. And um, if Devonta Smith is uh, my first wide receiver, I'm um, picking up if maybe I started with a Travis Kelsey and in a running back that fell to me. Um, if Devonta Smith is my wide receiver one, I'm more than comfortable with that. Um, I think uh, we agree on that one. These next two, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, what you think. The next person we have here is uh, Drake London going into year two. I love targeting year two wide receivers. Um, I guess uh, the bear case, which I'm, I'm sure you'll point out, is that Kyle Pitts is back. Um, and he does look like he's probably right around 90%-ish health, maybe a little less than that. Um, I do think as the season progresses, you'll see him kind of command more and more of that target share. Speaking of which, Drake London I think was pushing for like a 35% target share I'm last year. Right 29%. Yeah. So that target share is massive um, on a low volume passing offense. Um, I think that they may be just be better in general this year. I think their offensive line is somewhat improved. They obviously um, uh, added Bajan Robinson that Tyler Algiers, nothing, um, nothing to, to sniff at uh, very good running back in his own right. Kyle Pitts, like I said, will get better and better as he gets healthier and healthier. Um, the number one question mark here for Drake London is I think he will still command a 20 plus percent target share. I think he'll push for um, anywhere between 100 and 110 targets, which is what you want from someone you can get as your wide receiver too. The only problem is, and I think this is where you'll go with it, is Desmond Ritter. Is he is he an NFL quarterback? I, I think that there's an argument that can be made that um, despite some really horrible quarterbacks in the league, Desmond Ritter might be quarterback number 32 this year. How do you feel about Drake London um, and uh, what the Atlanta offense will look like uh, with him in it this year? Yeah, it, it comes down to what I can get out of this. And when you're paying this price, I feel like we're maybe not drafting him at a ceiling, but I think we're close to it. To me, his ceiling is one of, you know, a DJ Moore ceiling where you know, he could have some great weeks, but he could ghost you for three straight. And then you're feeling iffy on whether you're going to start him. And that's never an indictment on the talent. That's an indictment on the quarterback play and the offensive system. Because we're going to see run after run and then a play action that probably goes incomplete. And that's going to be the Atlanta Falcons offense this year. Um, and if they don't, you know, they're going to move the ball a lot better than they did last year, in my opinion. But my my worries remain with Desmond Ritter. And, you know, I, I think this is a we're going to be the lowest passing touchdown type of team. Like you said, we get Kyle Pitts back in the mix. I like uh, Drake London. I just feel like he's going to be a little bit too frustrating for where he's going to end up going in drafts because I, I I've seen him go much higher than wide receiver 25 in some formats. Yeah. We have him projected like he's a star. Like I said, he, all of his underlying, like we'll call them nerd metrics, target share targets per route run yards per route run. Um, he was a first round, like early first round draft capital guy. Like these are the types of guys that break out in their sophomore season. And yeah. I, a lot of times you um, like, like AJ Brown was another example of this. There was every excuse not to draft AJ Brown going into his second season. I think it was a very similar offense. It actually was an Arthur Smith offense. He was the offensive coordinator going into AJ Brown's sophomore season. Um, they had a strong running back in Derrick Henry. We have John Robinson, who's going to be splitting time with Tyler Algier, kind of like uh, Frankenstein Derrick Henry, if you will. Um, and I, I just think that he's a star. We haven't projected as a star. And I think whatever happens, 
Uh, Desmond Ritter will be better than Marcus Mariota. Um, and I think that's all we need him to be because I think this, I think this Atlanta Falcons offense, which is a very easy division and has a somewhat easy schedule. Um, I think that they will be able to push the ball downfield and yes, their run to pass ratio might be a little higher than we'd like to see, but when it comes down to that red zone area, they're still going to dial up passes for uh, a big guy like Drake London. So really excited about him. I, I think I might be talking you into Drake London a little bit, maybe not, but um, I'll it's, certainly. It's also, I wasn't the, I wasn't the biggest believer in the, the draft profile. And when I have some doubts in that area combined with doubts in another area, it just leans me to pick another name I like more. And there's a lot of receivers I like in that wide receiver 12 to 30 range. Okay. Okay. We have him as a wide receiver 14. He's consensus wide receiver 25 on fantasy pros. So we'll see. We'll see. He's a fun one to draft for me. So um, fantasy football is supposed to be fun. Go get him. Um, last one. This one's a little harder for me to stomach. Um, but again, our numbers love Michael Pittman Jr. Um I've heard some good things from uh, Matt Harmon, reception perception guy on Michael Pittman. He's a good route runner. He gets separation. He's good against press man coverage. Um, this offense, which is may or may not be missing um, Jonathan Taylor for some part of the season due to injury, due to um, I think he did end up uh, uh, kind of bowing out of his contract holdout. Um, he was absent recently because of a personal issue. Just a lot going on with him. Um, they drafted um, Anthony Richardson, who we're not super jazzed about him as a thrower. He's, he's going to be an exciting uh, fantasy football player because he's going to be able to run the ball. The most athletic quarterback prospect we've ever seen. Um, a lot of people aren't going to want to click the button on Michael Pittman Jr., but he is a big body alpha X receiver that has to this point hit all the thresholds we've needed him to hit to be projected like a star this year for gridiron AI, which I don't know if a lot of people know that he commands a big target share, good targets per route run yards per route run last year. Like it can't get much worse than the quarterback situation last year for Michael Pittman jr. So I'm also optimistic on Anthony Richardson as a down the field thrower, which is where Michael Pittman thrives. I saw the face you made when I, when, when you saw Michael Pittman's uh, picture. So uh, why are you maybe out on him this year? It's a shame. And this is the type of thing that comes back to bite me. And I, I, I hope it does. Because I love Michael Pittman. I think he's a fantastic wide receiver. I was so in in years past. I thought Matt Ryan was going to be a lot better than he was. Full disclosure, he wasn't. So my concerns with Michael Pittman do come down to Anthony Richardson, just how raw of a player he is. He only played, you know, 13 collegiate games. He looked every bit as raw in the first preseason game, and it's going to continue to look that way. And they're growing pains, right? It could get better down the line. could get better in the back half of the season. But I really worry about what that means for Michael Pittman and the rest of this, you know, this receiving room. You know, a, a player profiler did chart Michael Pittman with an 85% catchable target rate, which is 11th best in the league. So you factor that in as well as him being number one in snap share, number three in routes run. He was doing he had he had the most opportunities he may ever get in his career last year. And. We expect this Colts defense to get better. We expect Jonathan Taylor to be healthy. They're going, and we have Anthony Richardson, a running quarterback. So I think we are going to have an extremely small pie. And even if he repeats his high target share, which was around 25%, if we shrink that pie even more and have some more inaccurate throws be coming his way, he's just going to be way too frustrating to own for me. And I don't think the weekly ceiling is going to be high enough to justify it. 
Yeah, like I said, it's it's hard for me to stomach as well, but I, I do picture uh, picture Michael Pittman Jr., which average round going round eight. I could see him falling to round nine easily in your home leagues. I feel I feel like a lot of people are going to feel like you, but he is a talented wide receiver one um, on a team with uh, with a guy. Um, his name escapes me. Is it Steichen? Yeah, Steichen um, yes, coming over from the Eagles, who had a, an offense that was good at throwing the ball downfield with a rushing quarterback. I, I think that it may take a little time to get into it, but by the time that uh, the fantasy playoffs roll around, I think this offense could really be clicking. I think that um, the Colts may be um, off to a rocky start, but I, I think they're a team that um, a lot of people will be really excited about to finish the year. Um, so you might have to kind of go through some growing pains here with Michael Pittman Jr., but it's it. And, and trust me, I, I think that a lot of people, one of the main edges in fantasy football is drafting players with this in mind. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. So if you're drafting Michael Pittman Jr. as your wide receiver three, you should feel really, really good about that. And maybe you take an extra wide receiver or two to kind of get you that floor for the beginning of the season. Like, um, I don't know, like a Chris Godwin probably goes in this range as well. So if you're like sitting there at the turn and round nine, 10, um, you can go Michael Pittman and Chris Godwin. I, I, it's not pretty, but I, I think those are the types of picks that um, kind of separate uh, the good fantasy teams from the, from the bad fantasy teams, um, in my opinion. So probably, Priority target for Gridiron AI. Um, I think it's a fun one. I, th I think it's one that's a little out there for people. So um, we'll see how this one plays out. We'll clip this at the end of the season and uh, see uh, see who's right. So let's move on to tight end. Two guys I really like, and I know you're going to love this guy, Pat Fryermuth. All this guy does is score touchdowns. I don't know about you, but that first drive in uh, the preseason game the other day, who the boys were clicking against Tampa Bay. Um, and a, I'm uh, trying Dave not Pickens. to react to it. You know I'm not going to. Oh, I, I, I think I tweeted. I'm not, uh, buying, I'm not buying on it now. The Steelers are the best team in the NFL, I believe, is what yeah, I tweeted. At least they have North, clearly. Yeah. So this isn't a George Pickens podcast, but uh, he scored a touchdown on that drive. Um, I do think that um, Kenny Pickett can take a step forward this year. I think another year in a Matt Canada system. I think Matt Canada is hearing the feedback. Um, a lot of people wanted him gone. Um I mean, they look good. And again, it's preseason. Um, but regardless of if they look good or not, last year, Pat Firemuth still had a decently strong season. Um, he's he's a target uh, to move the chains. He's a target in the end zone. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of um, low on him just because in general, they're low on the Steelers and Kenny Pickett. I think he could be um, someone that takes kind of like a TJ Hawkinson's type leap. I think that there is a world where next year we're viewing Pat Firemuth as an elite tight end target that you have to take in round five or six um, or even earlier. And I know some of my Steelers bias might be showing, but it just feels really good picking uh, Pat Firemuth as your tight end in this round eight, round nine, after you filled out your wide receiver and running back room. So um, how do you feel about Pat Fryermuth? Maybe it goes without saying you're also in on him this year. Well, it, it's funny because, you know, I, I, I do mocks all summer, all offseason and all this because I'm a degenerate, you know. But Pat Fryermuth was someone that I constantly ignored, you know, months ago. And I've really come around on him. You know, the touchdown argument is easily the most potent one. He had two touchdowns last year you expect the Steelers in general to score more and you expect Pat Fryermuth to score more being the big body that he is I, I I'm I, I like him I, I am very much in on him because at the end of the day with fantasy football it helps if you have talented players and Pat Fryermuth is exactly that he gets used downfield he was third and downfield and uh, deep targets among tight ends last year 
He has a pretty good target share and target rate on the routes he runs. And, you know, they, they still have some – they added uh, Darnell Washington in the tight end room, which helps Frymuth a lot because Washington's a blocker. And that allows Frymuth to run those routes a little bit more, not to mention Zach Gentry and whatever Connor Haywood could Hayward can uh, supply as well. So I think Frymuth is very clearly the – you know, he's going to be the, the two-way, in my opinion, you know, with, with Pickens out there, or you could say Deontay, whatever you want. But he'll have his role up the middle, and I think uh, Kenny Pickett is going to rely on him. Yeah, so Fryman is going to be on the field a ton, which is when he's, what you want to see from your tight end. Um, you mentioned only two touchdowns last year, seven touchdowns as a rookie. Like I said, even scoring five touchdowns, kind of splitting the difference there, will make a world of difference and probably kind of explain the difference between our 176.4 um, projection that we have, the difference between that and a 147.6. And at tight end – that can make a huge difference. Uh, really, really um, ugly position this year. I really like uh, targeting Pat Fryermuth. Um, if you're going to take somebody a little bit earlier, we can move on to this next guy, um, Dallas Goddard of the Eagles. We're going to keep it in Pennsylvania. Um, all reports out of camp are that Dallas Goddard can't be covered. Um, I I could see, I mean, we have him as tight end six, um, sorry, tight end five, um, consensus tight end six around the industry. Um He's kind of in that weird mid, like not quite elite, not quite like a value. Like you still got to take him in round five, six range. Um, but he's on this Eagles offense that should be very explosive again. He should push for uh, more targets than a typical tight end will get. Um, you could see him taking a big, big step into that elite territory. Um, how do you feel about Dallas Goddard? The price tag is rich, Michael. See, I, 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 I kind of differ on you in a little bit. In terms of I'm still in on Goddard, but I'm in for all the wrong reasons. See, you think he can take a big step forward, and I don't think that's in his ceiling, despite me believing in him as a great player. I think A.G. Brown and Devonta Smith are very clearly the alphas in this system, and Dallas Goddard is more than happy to clean up the middle and grab some red zone targets along the way. And I see the argument for him improving with what we talked about. Maybe the Eagles pass it more. You know, Miles Sanders being gone, they were leading in most games. And Hal Gardner Minshew got playing around, you know, one to three, including against our Steelers. So I like Dallas Goddard. I, I'm in on him. I worry that I'm being, I'm going against everything I believe in, like I was talking about, because I feel like I'm drafting him close to his ceiling. I think his ceiling is around that tight end four, maybe tight end three if he goes tight uh, touchdown crazy, which is in the realm of outcomes. But I need those touchdowns to exceed to get more than what I'm getting because I think there are going to be dud games in the receiving game just because of the dominance of AJ Brown and the dominance of Devonta Smith. Yeah, it's a crowded room there. A lot of mouths to feed as people like to say. Um, I'm not a huge believer in that. Um, however, uh, I could see a big season out of Dallas Goddard. Um, and like I said, we're just a little bit ahead of him um, on, on, on consensus. And I, I think he's a fun target this year, especially if like, a piece of advice I have is like, if you're sitting there in your draft, maybe there was a wide receiver run or a running back run. Um, and you, you're not really loving the options at the other positions and uh, the opportunity cost is low in your opinion. Um, Dallas Goddard to fill out your tight end uh, in round five or six is, is probably a pretty good idea. I think you're, you're going to have a little bit of an edge there at that, um, at that position with him. So tight end six is his floor. That, that, yeah. that is the nice thing about it. I, I have questions about the ceiling but the floor is very high with the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so we're going to move on to the fades next. We just got three fades for you. Um, so this first one's an easy guy to fade. Uh, so I'm giving you guys permission to fade Sean Watson this year, which um, for preseason reports, uh, the offense doesn't really seem to be clicking from a uh, passing standpoint. I know last year was a little bit rocky for him. I know you can explain away a lot of it um, due to his suspension, not playing in, in, um, in, in a long time. Like I think he was off of football for almost two years. And um, aside from all of that, um, he like, for whatever reason, just did not come back and was the Sean Watson we 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 were used to seeing in Houston. Um, now I think a lot of people are just assuming that he's going to bounce back and kind of be the player that we we know he can be. Again, don't overweight preseason too much. We're not seeing that so far. Um, we are seeing in the preseason game he he did complete. Um, it was a fine performance. He ran a little bit. Um, it's a tough fade because he, he could be awesome again. Um, but at the end of the day, like our model doesn't love him because he didn't play a full season last year. I think he's being penalized for that. Um, fantasy pros absolutely loves the guy. He's projected as their uh, QB nine. Um, so again, someone that I'm comfortable fading, especially because like I said, um, I'm, I'm willing to wait on a guy like Daniel Jones, as opposed to taking uh, Deshaun Watson again, though, I certainly understand that, we could be very wrong on this and he could bounce back and, and be QB six, five, even top four QB. We've seen him there before. How are you feeling about Deshaun Watson this year on the Browns um, on a Browns team that should be pretty solid this year? Yeah. And you, you hit on exactly why I haven't been drafting Deshaun Watson, although among many reasons, but one of which is because of that very wide range of outcomes. If he is what we saw at the end of last year, I just wasted a mid round pick. If he is what we saw in Houston, do do i got a good value um but when i'm taking that type of wide range of outcomes i don't spend mid-round picks on quarterbacks for that i wait and i take daniel jones and i take Kirk cousins and i take guys that i feel much better about and also i can just release if it doesn't work out so he's right in that range of quarterbacks i don't pay for and you know while i believe in i believe in elijah moore i think amari cooper is a great receiver i think david Njoku is a pretty good tight end the pieces are there Dave, nick chubb obviously being the run game I My biggest concern with the Browns and also Deshaun Watson, I don't believe in Kevin Stefanski at all. And he's still running this offense. This is still his offense. And I think if Deshaun Watson has a bad year, Stefanski is going to be the guy that pays for it. And I, I think there's going to be a reason why. Yeah, so Stefanski, like, again, I think Nick Chubb is a great pick this year. Um, I yeah. think uh, his run, his run offense will be – Really, really good. We, we've yet to see. I mean, of course, in Minnesota, they had kind of had an explosive offense, but a low volume passing offense. And um, given the how many weapons that they have, like it, it might be tough. Um, it might be tough in that division as well with the Ravens, the Steelers um, and the Bengals all being very competitive, having solid defenses. Um, there's a lot of reasons why um, this could not work out. And again, um, you also don't have to explain to your significant other why you took Deshaun Watson if you pass him up, which shouldn't factor into it, but, I mean, we're all human. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the next fade here, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, it's uh, at the running back position. Um, speaking of the um, Minnesota Vikings, we have Alexander Madison, which I go back and forth on this guy because when he has the chance to be the lead back for the Minnesota Vikings, he has absolutely crushed. We're talking 20 plus touches. 
um, big games, uh, kind of filling in for Dalvin Cook. However, he might just be a guy. You know what I mean? Like just a guy, a jag. Um, we have him as uh, running back 31. Um, Fantasy Pros position rank has him as RB 21. I know that they got some exciting guys like Ty Chandler um, in the in the waiting in the wings. I'm unsure about how much playing time they will get. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard anything about is he the lead back until proven otherwise, or is this going to be a bit of a rotation on a team that might air it out a little bit more after drafting Jordan Addison? Well, we haven't we haven't seen him yet, and I think that's that's definitely you could take it as a good thing. He's dealt with some injuries this summer. It's been you know of all the backfields out there this is a, a, one that is murky that feels like it shouldn't be because Ty Chandler is certainly a step down as good as he looked the other day I'm not counting on Ty Chandler to be much more than you know what Madison maybe was in past years and we have an offense that has proven that they can you know bell cow a running back they give it to one guy they have this is how they did it in years past and Alexander Madison was the guy that got extended and he's the guy that has they've asked to do it before they've seen him do it before so Everything points to this being Madison's backfield, yet we get the rumblings of Kareem Hunt and we get the rumblings of everything else. And you may you get some question marks about whether that's a statement on the backup room, which I choose to think it is, or if it's a statement on Madison himself. So I view Alexander Madison as someone that I'm I'm taking more times than I'm not. But the ADP is scary high where you can't it's it, it's right at the point where I'm getting a little bit it's getting a little bit too hot for me. And with Alexander Madison, you know, the one other thing that is a you could take as a sign of, you know, a good thing, they loaded up the carriers to Ty Chandler in the first week of the preseason. You could take that as a good thing for Ty Chandler, or you could take it as the sign of how they want to use the running back. Or you could, you know, probably be the smartest one and just disregard it because it's preseason week one. But Alexander Madison's definitely a murky type of guy. RB21 for Fantasy Pros feels a little bit rich. I probably want him somewhere between uh, gridiron and fantasy pros right in that 26 range yeah for me like I, again I, I could see him being um part of a really uh explosive offense like you could see um the vikings be like a top eight offense this year and him being the lead back and getting 80 percent of the snaps in that backfield that's how he smashes this adp and gives you like a josh jacobs type um type season who i've brought up like we're looking for guys like that on the other hand like i just like taking the wide receivers that go around him um, a little bit more. And I think that you can get the same type of volume later. Um, and he also just doesn't really wow me from a talent perspective. He was a late round guy in the draft. I think he's a cool story. Like you said, he got extended. He seems to be the guy there, but these guys are fragile in the sense that they could have a Ty Chandler kind of eat into their workload. Like we're seeing it a little bit with the Steelers, like Najee Harris was a first round running back. However, from a talent perspective, from an explosiveness perspective, from an athleticism perspective, he's kind of being overshadowed by a late round guy and Jalen Warren. Like I think Alexander Madison is a similar player in a lot of respects, but, but he doesn't have that draft capital that Najee Harris does, which I think is protecting Najee Harris a little bit, which is interesting. Um, so again, Alexander Madison, um, a little bit of a fade here for us. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, going finally to the last fade for us, on uh, what should be a really horrible, horrible team. And I think that like a good rule for people to follow is just don't draft players from bad teams. That's kind of what this is for me. I believe in Marquise Brown as a player. Um, I don't believe in Clayton Tune as a quarterback. I don't believe as Col in Colt McCoy and how old he is as a, as a quarterback. I don't, we don't know who the starter is in care um, in, in 
Arizona yet. I'm not confident that Kyler Murray is going to come back right away. And when he does, I think they're going to ease him back. And I think they're just going to kind of, you know, run the ball, get in, get out this season. Um, I, I could see, I, I think a fun, the funnest thing to talk about in this whole situation is I think Kyler Murray will be an Atlanta Falcon next year. I don't know why I get that feeling. It just seems like it works. It just seems like something that would make everybody happy. Cause I think the Falcons will be good enough that they're not going to get um, into the Caleb Williams and Drake may sweepstakes. So why not send uh, some draft capital over to the Cardinals way who should be able to get one of those two and Marvin Harrison jr. Because I truly think that they're going to be that bad. I think the Texans are going to be bad and they have their pick. All of that is to say that uh, Marquise Brown is in for uh, a bit of a struggle this season. So uh, we're going to fade him this year. We have him as wide receiver 38 consensus has him as wide receiver 34. We're not that far behind on him, but he does seem to go a little bit earlier than I like to draft him. Um, I think this is the range where I'm pivoting to a quarterback or a tight end or a running back. And I've already collected my three wide receivers. So um, how do you feel about Marquise Brown this year? This sucks. I'm sorry. It, it sucks. It, it, Marquise Brown is such a good player. And it's such a shame because we saw what this could have been. We saw the first four to six weeks without DeAndre Hopkins, a top five fantasy receiver. He was amazing last year. And then he gets hurt. And then by the time he comes back, or even things are coming back, Kyler's hurt, and that carries into this season. Now, I don't think Kyler's going to miss as much time as people say. You know, I've done a lot of reading on the topic. I think it could be a week six type of return. But I I, I do see the the – concerns and that's why i tend not to pay the price and if i want marquis brown i'll try trading for him two weeks into the season because it's going to be a frustrating year for fantasy and he might have the largest target share of this really overbaked disgustingly seasoned pie but alphas can eat and the question is how much of him is an alpha and how much of him is just very good so I think wide receiver, throws a, uh, wide receiver 34 is a little bit rich, and I don't see him slipping too much. You know, I don't, I don't see him slipping because of the name value there. So, unfortunately, I feel like I'm out on him, but I, I almost feel like it's a, to some extent, a DK Metcalf type of situation again. Of I yeah. really believe in the player talent, but I didn't believe in the quarterback, so I discounted it. And maybe I'm doing that with Drake London as well and not learning my lesson, but. Marquise Brown's a tough one for me to fade emotionally. The guy to draft, and if you if you really are are hankering for some Cardinals on your team, Michael yeah. Wilson in the last oh. round of the draft. Love Michael Wilson. He's an alpha. He's For absolutely sure. killing it in camp. He actually could take some targets away from Marquise Brown, which is another reason why I'm fading him. I think he's a really interesting player to target in Dynasty is Michael Wilson. Get in while the getting's good before we see him on an NFL field um, in prime time or, or on a Sunday. Um, really excited about him. Um, and that's at that cost. I mean, you're going to get him in the last round of your draft. I thought you were worried about players missing games. I thought the model respect to people then stayed on the field. Michael Wilson could not do that in college for what it's worth. Yeah. I mean, that's the case until it isn't. So, um, we'll see. Um, and again, all uh, that's, that's baked into his, uh, his it's real cost. life. Draft it's capital. Free cost. It is free. Yeah. Um, so, Bargain bin shopping, Michael Wilson, little bonus target for you guys. Um, but yeah, that that's it for us um, here. Um, so I just want to um, reiterate that we're running a preseason promo so you can get a full month free. And uh, if you get in now or, you know, maybe time it up a little bit, 
Um, you could get uh, some free weeks into the season and, and actually get access to our betting models, which our money line betting models um, are, are one of the top uh, picks uh, pickers on um, prize pick and uh, sorry, not prize picks um, picks pick watch. So uh, we, we show our results on there. So that's, that's a, I mean, if, if you want to see a, a platform, put their money where their mouth is, we do. And, and we, we finish in the top 75th percentile, top 90th percentile uh, pretty consistently. Um, and I, yeah, we're really excited. We had a little bit of uh, last year was a step back for us, but I think a lot of the COVID data was a little um, dirty in the sense of some weird stuff happened in that season. A lot of that has worked its way out. Our guy, Zach, who kind of runs those models, um, there's some really wild stuff that he does. Um, he's, he's much more confident this year. So we'll be tracking that. Um, I'm going to enter our projections, our weekly projections in the, into the fantasy pros, um, projection contest, just to see, um, how we do when we're stacked up against some of the other experts, we'll be tracking that we'll be tracking our betting models. Um, Rob will be on with me throughout the season, um, giving out player pool recommendations for DFS. And, um, of course we'll be posting showdown lineups, all that fun stuff. I, I know a lot of people like that stuff. Um, last year, um, for fantasy sake, we'll also be running their show on Sundays, um, so make sure you tune in on that, um, on Sundays, uh, I believe from 1130 to 1230, um, Eastern, I know I got that timing wrong, but, uh, regardless, I'll be on there, um, for a segment, uh, to answer your questions, start sit DFS type stuff, um, anything you need, um, as you're, as you're filling out your lineup. So excited about our partnership with, for fantasy sake. Um, I'll shout out their sponsors again, Durham Remodeling and the Draft House there in the Quad Cities. Uh, Michael, what do you got going on for the people? Um, go ahead and uh, plug your stuff while we're at it. Sure. And listen, my life is on Twitter, not X Twitter. So you can find all my work in my Twitter bio, which is at Michael underscore underscore Sicoli. I have a whole link tree. If you guys like sports betting, I went 5-0 and on my spread picks of the five games I focused on last week. Got three more coming out in the next few days. Uh, for picks right there to make some money on as well. Um, and if you like some defensive fantasy football, I run a newsletter there too. All those links to my stuff and IEP stuff, fantasy stuff, whatever you guys want in my Twitter bio at Michael underscore underscore Scully. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up uh, defense. We had some uh, people in our Discord today asking why we don't project kickers in defense just because we're not good at it. That's the short answer. Um, the way we, we do things, <clears throat> we aren't um, – we aren't projecting defense. We're not projecting kicker. Michael's your guy for that. So make sure you go ahead and check out his stuff on his well, Twitter that, that's feed. You gotta, that's why you got to project individual defensive players. Screw the unit. Let's yeah. take let's take the guys. All right. We want our Miles Garrett's out there, our TJ Watts out there. Yeah. So make sure you check out Michael. Make sure you check out for fantasy's sake. Thanks to uh, producer Doug in the background on the ones and twos, making sure this show goes smooth. Really excited for this season. Um and yeah, football's almost here, everybody. So thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time. All right.